Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. So it's really kind of been an interesting week, a long week already. We're recording on a Wednesday. As, as most of our listeners know, we usually record on a Sunday. We've done quite a few Mondays recently, but our schedules are all over the place. Sure, yeah. I was the, yeah, I was the one this week that had to, uh, that had to blow off. Um, what Dennis is trying to say, usually I'm the one who screws everything up, but this time around... <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I, 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 I feel like we, 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 we do it pretty evenly. Like you, you'll blow off. No, it's true. Like you'll push well, back a night, and then I'll push back a night, and we're just—you know—the thing is, is I feel like we've gotten to a point where we're very flexible with one another, and, and yeah. we, and we, you know, we can kind of tell when the other one is sort of like not really feeling it that night. So we never push and be like, "You have to record on this night." You yes, know? I, I, but, I also feel, and and this is a testament to our listeners, is that I don't feel the pressure anymore to always put the new episode out on Tuesday. Yeah, we have we have our loyal listeners who are very vocal through uh, mostly through Facebook, a little bit through Twitter, but mostly through Facebook. Um, so I, I'm not worried anymore about losing listeners if we don't sure. always do it on Tuesday. Uh, so thank you, listeners, for that. Yeah, we that. well, and I feel like if we have anybody stumble onto the show that comes to us as a new listener, we have enough of a backlog now that nobody's going to be like, where's the new episode, dude? Sure, um, yeah. You know, yeah. they've got like, you know, like 60 episodes to catch up on or whatever. Um, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to, we're, we're kind of doing our little cold open thing here, but this is, this is not exactly cold what I'm about to go into because I, I couldn't help but recognize the impact that last week's discussion ended up having on me. And I even mentioned to you uh, afterwards that I was feeling a little raw and a little vulnerable. Um, There was a part of me that, frankly, was even a little concerned with how I came off in the episode at times. You know, for whatever reason, I just was. Um, But something happened in between that really drove home and this is going to sound a little self-aggrandizing, so I apologize, but it f- drove home the impact that the conversations that you and I have had sometimes, not just in the confines of, of this podcast, um, have had on me. Because there was a individual on Facebook whom you may even actually know. I'm not going to call them out by name. Sure. But... Uh, being that we both have some connections, arguably you more so than I do, in the Chicago theater world, um, and there's a lot of crossover there, uh, and and because of what we talked about last week, I felt like it was worth just mentioning this particular episode, if you will, uh, because an actor uh, in Chicago took to Facebook to defend himself over being called racist and in doing so equated being called racist with as hurtful as calling a person of color that other word no and he took it one step further and this is what really kind of drove home to me the conversation that we were having last week he used the word he wrote the word spelled it out 
No. Like he put it in quotations, which I don't know if that was his way of kind of like trying to lessen the impact or whatever. But in that instance, right then and there, I completely understood where you were coming from because I could not get around the fact that he had just used that word in any context. And it's strange because I started almost having this conversation with myself in the meantime. And today, when I was walking home from the train, it popped into my head that I would love... And I'm not equipped to do this, quite frankly, but I would love to write a play about that word and how hurtful that word is. And over the course of the 90 minutes or whatever that that play would take place, the word would never, ever, ever be uttered. Because it's a word that, like we were saying last time in the episode, has been weaponized in such a way and has left such a mark on our society and our culture that I feel like you could talk about that word as I'm doing right now without ever saying it and everyone knows the word you're talking about and everyone can feel the hurt and guilt and shame and everything associated with it and I couldn't help but think to myself that if one were to be called a racist and believe that they were not a racist there were literally a hundred other ways to better defend oneself than with the post that he came up with. And there were a ton of comments, and I did not, I did not read uh, the comments because I just wasn't going to spend my time doing that. But it, I don't know, it just drove home the impact of, that, of justice in particular and, and, and how ultimately I think you're right. I think the word was used too much. And, 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 and I, you know, I think that most of, you know, our listeners and, and, and most people, um, that watch the show would agree that the use of the word itself, there was nothing behind it that was malicious. The motivation for using it was not malicious. It was just to, you know, truthfully portray a certain time and place. Um, but man, it, it, for lack of a better word, it triggered me in a way that was very unexpected. Right on. Yeah. So now I got you. Well, thank you for sharing that. And like I said, I uh, I felt after our episode with uh, Color of Truth with with Chris, I I had similar feelings of of being raw afterwards. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but that's why. But that's why we we do those things. These yeah, things for sure have these conversations. I know. I completely agree. I completely agree. And it's um, you know, it's been a crazy week elsewhere in the world. Um, so I think it's fun that this week we get to talk about permanent wave. Yes, this is such a. Uh, we always say this. I don't know if I have a whole lot to say about this episode. Uh, not that it's a bad mm-hmm. episode. Not that there's a bad. Epi- it's a bad episode. Um, right. When we were texting back and forth about it the other day, you you kind of compared it to a Lifetime made-for-TV movie. <laughs> I had a different take. It made me very nostalgic for 1980s Sunday night movies of the week. Okay. On network sure. television. Down to the music and the plot... Watching Quantum Leap 
Quantum Leap makes me nostalgic for my childhood in one way. This particular mm-hmm. episode with the plot, in particular the music, and especially way uh, the 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 last action sequences of the episode were shot. Oh sure, made me very nostalgic for Sunday nights sitting in my living room with mom and dad watching whatever the the throwaway made for TV movie of the week was. Yeah. Oh man, I you know, I do have fond memories of that actually uh as well. Although I feel like I remember I, I remember other things more specifically, like random episodes of Hunter, or Simon and Simon, or you know the Disney, Disney movie of the week or whatever, something like that. More than I do, uh, um, you know, specific TV movies of the week, which is why I, why I went to the Lifetime thing because it was just it was an easy it was an easy route, you know. Oh no, I mean yeah, I could definitely see that too. Speaking of TV movies of the week, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through a deep dive here for for Scott Bakula here. I'm gonna have to scroll back here a little bit. Thank I, you. I, I was thinking I, the same thing. A year or two after, I mean, he did a lot of like various TV movies of the week after Quantum Leap was was done, but there was one in particular. Um. Very, very thriller style. Uh, nowhere to hide. It was a 1994 TV movie. He plays a person named Kevin Nicholas. Kevin Nicholas. <laughs> Check. Was that the one you were thinking of? Mm-hmm. Check that out when you get a chance, right? everyone. Uh, I think it's it's one I'm, I'm, I'm looking here. Um, it it may be hard to find somewhere like actually on, oh i would on, imagine it is on, on video or or anywhere yeah it looks like there's a there's a picture on imdb and it's clearly of a dvd case but it's a region b case because it's got the little region b pg rating triangle on it but, oh um, nice catch yeah yeah um yeah you know it's it, one of the things that, so so real quick i'll i'll do the standard spiel but then I, i'll follow it up with something because i think it's it, it's salient to what you're saying um permanent wave uh was aired october the 16th 1991 written by beverly bridges uh this is her what, her third or fourth episode uh, of quantum leap that she's written it is third her third episode um after the great Spontini and a hunting we will go. Uh, she will write the very next episode, Raped, and then her uh, last episode written for Quantum Leap will be The Plays the Thing. Uh, some television um, story editors uh, on a TV show called Covington Cross. Uh, she wrote an episode of Tequila and Benetti. Um, she also wrote, produced, directed, um, and got the cinematography credit uh, on a documentary called Patches of Hope, uh, which I found kind of interesting. Apparently, it's a documentary about women who um, make quilts um, to help those in need. Uh, I just thought that was—I thought that was cool. Um, interesting. The director is someone that we'll be very familiar with, uh, a fellow by the name of Scott Bakula. <laughs> um, yes. This is his very first directing credit. Mm-hmm. Um, he will go on to direct two more episodes of Quantum Leap. Uh, those are the only three directing credits that are listed on his IMDb. And I wanted to just say, in relation to what you were saying about the the quality of the episode, the way that it was directed, and it felt kind of like that TV movie of the week thing, I, I can't help but wonder, you know, your first effort out as a director, 
you, you go with what you're comfortable with. And by this point, you know, Scott had spent the past five, six years working pretty much exclusively in television. So you would think that for him, that's, you know, he would, he would be aiming for that quality. Um, you know, I think there probably also would be, I, I could imagine, I don't know, but there would also be that idea of like, just, just don't suck, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's, I think it's successful as, as far as, you know, being an episode of Quantum Leap directed by the star of the show, knowing how much he was working. Yeah. I didn't realize, I thought the only episode of Quantum Leap that he had directed was Promised Land. From mm. from the final season. What was the other one? This one, Promised Land, and I, I want to say uh, Roberto. Actually, oh, really? okay. So, another one, solidly. We get a lot of episodes coming up set in the eighties. Yeah, uh, which we yeah Roberto. Yeah, That's, interesting. Yeah. I remember. Uh, I can't remember if it was in the Quantum Leap trivia book or an interview I read somewhere. I remember. Uh, reading somewhere, Bakula talking about it in an interview, like him expressing interest to, to Don Belisari about directing an episode, and and just coming yeah. like very casually, he's like, I, I don't want to make it a negotiating point in my contract or anything, but I would just be very interested in directing an episode. Yeah, if we can make that happen. You know, I think that that's one of those things that's fairly common. Um, you know, most actors. I mean, I know you've done it, I've done it. Um, you know, obviously people who work in television a lot, like somebody, I'm thinking immediately of somebody like Jonathan Frakes, uh, LeVar Burton, mm-hmm. you know, Star Trek guys, obviously, but, uh, you know, they took the opportunity to direct um, on the shows that they were working on or, or wanted to make that transition at some point. And I think um, it's kind of natural. You know, some people it's not a good fit for. Some people it's just sort of like, I tried that. I'm glad I tried it, but it's not my thing. Uh, and then obviously some people end up being very, very successful at it. I mean, look at somebody like Ron Howard. You know, he spent the first 20 years of his life basically in front of a camera, and then he spent the last 30-some years behind it. Sure, so, yeah. Uh, and, and, and been very successful at yeah. it. Yeah, and, uh, and Jonathan Frakes and LeVar Burton have been very successful in their own right. Yes. Yes, they have. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing at that, because it's true they have. Honestly, Jonathan Frakes um, directed what would, and I, 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 to be fair, I say this with a slight degree of ignorance because I've not yet actually watched the last, like, three episodes or so, but in my opinion, directed the best episode, best two episodes of Discovery. Um, now that it's out on Blu-ray, I'm, I'm ready to, to make the, the leap if you will, dude, <laughs> it's you know, and this is for our listeners as well. It's down to like thirty bucks right now on Blu-ray on Amazon. So, you know, if you got thirty bucks and you want to want to give it to Paramount, CBS, go check it out. Support Star Trek. Go for it. There we go. Um, we should mention that our leap date is June the second, nineteen eighty-three, and Sam is left into hairdresser Frank Bianca, living in Los Angeles, California. Um, Oh, I had it written down, but I don't have it in front of me. What's Frank's real name? Because I thought it was hilarious when Al... Maureen Lipschitz. There you I, go. I Lipschitz. didn't even have to look it up. That's a name <laughs> that is ingrained in my memory. Uh, let's do the how, TV. Did I, how did I not remember that? Let's do the TV guy description. On a hair-raising leap, oh, Sam yeah. is a male hairdresser trying to prevent the killing of a woman and her son who's a witness to a murder. Murder. Let's read what this was uh, called in other countries here, like we've been doing the last few episodes. In Germany, it was known as Perm. 
fair enough. Oh, dear God. In, I can't wait until you read France. I'm going to say that one until the end. In Italy, it was shampoo and styling. And in France, it was wearing the pole. <laughs> Why? Why was it wearing the pole? I, I don't know. And it's pole, P-O-L-E, not P-O-L-L. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that means. I don't. I, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So. Uh, All right. So let's well, look, about leap in here. What uh, do you have any like direct memories of this episode from when from when you were a kid? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I, 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 I maybe it's because Justice was actually an episode I watched quite a few times when I was younger. But I remembered like the 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 leap in quite well and the beginning of the episode pretty well. Um, I remember the Future Boy bit with um, uh, Kyle. Right, that's his name. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I, I, that that always stood out to me because it was one of the few times that the show openly referenced a previous leap, and I really liked that. Um, and uh, the cop, the penny loafers. Oh, the penny loafers thing. That was something that was like just stuck with me through the whole. Uh, oh yeah, uh, mm-hmm. y- you know, I'd say I, I definitely remember that. Oddly enough. I forgot about until it happened, and this is just my foggy brain, I guess. Completely forgot about Chloe at the end. Oh, being the... And it's like, oh, right, she's the heavy, yeah. not the cop. See, because what I... The thing is, I remember her because I remember it being kind of a big reveal that uh, the, the company name, what's the the, the, the anagram? Oh, right, yes, um... Elock. Uh, that Elock yeah, is an anagram for Chloe. I remember that. Yeah. Um, uh, the initial leap in scene, and, and, and the penny loafers. I I was such a cool kid. I had a pair of penny. Oh, no. I had a pair of penny loafers. Man. When I was a kid, because I was junior high was rough for you, wasn't it? It was so. <laughs> GD rough. Don't worry, me too, man. <laughs> me too. <laughs> so GD rough. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I, I I would say that that's probably about it. I mean, I um, there were certain flashes here and there, and I and and obviously like uh, remembering that Joseph Gordon Levitt was in the episode and played sure. Kyle. Yeah, because um, like a year, I think it was a year or two later when Third Rock from the Sun debuted. Uh, yeah, ninety six. So, so. What oh, really? Been, okay. Been, yeah, yeah. Ninety six to two thousand one. Man, for some reason that show just is. I, I would have agreed with you if I hadn't looked down at the book and just read that because that show feels very nineties to me, mm-hmm. and the fact that it aired in two thousand into two thousand one seems odd to me. I don't know why. It's crazy, but yeah, it's the same thing for me with Friends because didn't Friends air up until like two thousand three, two thousand four? Yeah, and to me, that's yeah, a show that lives solidly. Yeah, right. Well, it was on for ten seasons. Yeah, so, you so know, yeah, it had a, it had a decade to to yeah, to, to simmer to percolate. Mm. Uh, anyway, so Sam, mm. so yeah, percolate. You see what I did? takes yeah. place in the coffee shop. Yeah, I like yeah. It. And I didn't even watch the show. So <laughs> so Sam leaps in. He's got red all over his latex gloved hands. Yeah, he's standing. If they ever wanted to do a leap in where Sam was like a murderer, they just. They blew their wad on this one, man. I'm saying. They, they, uh, <laughs> mm, no, no. There's there, there's an episode coming up this season where. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, what the hell are you drinking, by the way? Oh, sorry. I'm uh, it's hot chocolate. I got hot chocolate uh, at work today. It was somebody oh, was okay. like, doing gift bags for people, and and it just I just it's see delicious because we're doing this through Google Hangouts. I just see a Winnie the Pooh mug, and occasionally you oh, you, yeah. you you tilt the glass in the right way, and it just looks like you got like like bloody remnants in there. Well, it's so the, it came with the, it was fancy hot chocolate, so it came with like one of those marshmallow toppers, mm. and 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 it's it's I'm having difficulty with it. It's a whole process over here at Project Quantum Leap. I'm just telling you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This so, yeah. episode's already gone off the rails. No, no, yeah. So uh, so yeah. So Sam uh, leaps in. He's he's doing something like he he's he's burning or scalding the woman's hair already. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt comes in. Kyle, he's done sweeping. He wants to know if he can go over to uh, Phil's. Mm-hmm. And he says, okay. And he lets him go. And then Chloe comes in. He's like, you know, where did Kyle go? Oh, I let him go to Bill's. You mean Phil's? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, we never let him go out on his own. Why not? Gunshots. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, and then we come back from a commercial break. Like, we're right into action. Like, Sam is taking charge. Telling people to get down, and he is running next door. Yeah, uh, you know, I really, I, I will say that there was definitely um, a very proactive side of Sam throughout the course of this episode, which I really appreciate. Oh, yeah. He didn't even, you know, he didn't even really wait for Al um, at times, and it, it kind of really. Uh, is emblematic, I feel like, of those episodes where the Sam happens to the episode instead of you know the episode happening to Sam, which I really I, I really enjoyed. Sure, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so he runs over, and this is where we get the first thing that reminds like, oh god, yes, we are in the eighties, and this is a made-for-TV movie of the week. I feel like this is a trope that was used a lot then. Our good old friend, the silencer. Right. Yes. <laughs> The gloved hand uh, coming over the counter with the little thing and the little, uh, what it sounds like, a cat sneezing. Yeah. Pew, pew. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, whoever, uh, killer, shooter, gets away. Sam saves Kyle. Um, and then right then the next shot, like, we just got basically, like, like the beat cops. Yeah. There in the, in the, in, in the paramedics in the emergency scene, like, they're there cleaning up, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it, it, it's definitely a strong opening. I, I feel like it sets the stakes pretty high compared to, um, I mean, arguably compared to our uh, justice aside, most of the fourth season so far. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we are, uh, so we're jumping right in. So we haven't done a play-by-play in a while, and I don't want to necessarily do that. But this, I think this episode is so plot-heavy, it kind of lends itself, it kind of lends itself to that. Um, yeah. So I, one of the first, like, really great comedic uh, little back-and-forths in this episode is when we meet uh, the police detective, who is played <laughs> by... Uh, let me pull up people. I knew he looked really familiar. Harry Groner. At first off, I thought he kind of looked somewhat similar uh, to Paul Link, who plays the sheriff in the Halloween episode. Um, and he's also in Played Against Seymour, 
I can't remember his character's name in that one. But he kind of looks similar to him, like just sure. just enough. But I recognize Harry Groner from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. Because he was the mayor of the town. That's right. For, uh, season three, man. One of the best seasons of television ever, period. Not just Buffy, but like... That's that season is so good on so many levels. It's a solid show. I think we talked about it before on the podcast. I got about halfway through the fourth season, and then me yeah. and then me and that girlfriend broke up. Right, right. Because she was introducing <laughs> me to the show because she was really into it, uh, and I thing- and, and I tried to keep watching after we broke up, but it was the show was too emotionally tied to her, and I just I couldn't I couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, another thing that I uh, recognized him from uh, is he had a uh, few episodes stint on How I Met Your Mother, playing Ted's uh, stepfather, Clint. That's and right. He yeah. is hilarious yeah. as, as, in that role. Um, there's one episode in particular where he marries Ted's mom. That's it. Yes, yes. Yeah. He sings a song uh, to her, and it's very explicit, and, 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 and yet... Ted has to like leave the room because he can't bear it. And then when he comes back into the room, like everyone in the room is singing the chorus along with him. Yes. And, like some people are crying and everything. It's 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 pretty cute. Yeah, but, I know. Yeah. Uh, I was a pretty big fan of How I Met Your Mother. I think you are a much bigger fan of the show than I was. Yeah. Uh, if you want to have a rage stroke, I just listened to an episode. Uh, I think I may mention this before. Uh, there's a new podcast that I'm binging called Your Fave Is Problematic. Oh, okay. It's new to me. It's been it's been on for like over a year now. But every episode, these two women they just take something in pop culture and they and they rip it apart. And then at the end of the episode, they decide whether or not whether the good elements about the show outweigh the problematic elements of the show. So today, I listened. to I mean, this is from like months ago, but they did an episode covering How I Met Your Mother. Of course. Um, yes. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe uh, worth yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, so that's how I remember Detective Ward. Well, but the the scene between him and Sam when he's coming in, he's trying to get, trying to assess if Kyle saw more than what he initially said because Kyle says he didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to get that assessment, and when it comes to the end, when you know whether or not uh, how can he get a hold of Sam or Frank later. When he wants more information, he asks him for his address, mm-hmm. and of course, <laughs> and of course, Sam, uh, Sam stalls. And I, and I, uh, where is this? I, I actually wrote this dialogue down here. Um, this is actual dialogue between between the detective and Sam. Um, Sam, when he shot at me, I didn't hear the shots. The detective, well, how many shots did you hear? Sam, two. <laughs> I didn't hear the shots, but how many shots did you hear? Two. Beautiful. Um, but then, yeah, so Sam has to produce his own wallet, or Frank's wallet, to get his address. And it turns out Frank lives upstairs from yeah, the salon. He lives upstairs. The very place that we were saying. And that is such a, we're four seasons in and we've never had that yet. Right? I thought the same <laughs> damn thing, actually. I was like, man, took him four seasons to get there, but all right. And they've come close a couple of times, mm-hmm. but never quite so explicit as, as this. Is just sort of like they've, they've played with the fact that he might not necessarily know where he lives. 
but they've never done it in such a way that it really bites him in the ass the way that it does on this yeah. in this and episode. And, and yeah, the gag works perfectly. And, and I will, uh, you know, because I've said it before. Like I feel like this season, Sam is getting a better grip of going with the flow. Mm-hmm. And so I got to say, for stepping in it so badly, recovering really quickly, with like it's been a really long day. My nerves are oh, shot. Yeah. That's yeah. That's about it's as a bad, great recovery. That's about a bad, as good a recovery you can come up with. Uh, so, yeah, we, so we I should agree. mention um, first off, this is a really horrible coincidence because this episode was six or seven years before it happened. But the pharmacist who was murdered is named Phil Hartman. Yeah, man. You know it's so weird because we're talking about this. Uh, I think it's today. It was either yesterday or today um, on the anniversary of Chris Farley's death. And, 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 or I think and, it was yesterday, just, yeah. yeah. And I just couldn't help but kind of think to myself, man, you know, these two just, I mean, giants of, of, of comedy, uh, uh, you know, especially when it comes to that sort of sketch comedy. Sure. Um, and being reminded of both of them so so close together. It's, uh, I don't know, for some reason it just popped out at me. But Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember where I was when when Phil Hartman died. I remember where I was when Chris Farley died. It's such a weird thing because I don't necessarily like Chris Farley. I was definitely a fan of, and I was I was you know fairly upset when when he died. But uh, with Phil Hartman, it was more just sort of like I knew who he was. I, I laughed, but I was also kind of young. I mean, I was like sixteen, I think, when he died, um, maybe seventeen. Yeah. But I was in a hotel room in the middle of Ohio with my dad because my dad had taken me on this work trip with him, and. Um, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. I just it came on the news and was like, man, that sucks. Well, I mean, it's I mean, it, it, I mean, it's also because like the way Chris Hartman died, like that's not the first time a comedian has overdosed. Right? You mean Chris Farley? You yes, said Chris Hartman. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yes. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. All right. No, no, yeah. Chris Farley. But Phil Hartman, him being murdered by his wife. Yeah. Was. Uh, that does not, you know. Right. Well, the thing is, is I think that a lot of people initially, just because it's Hollywood and, and whatever, we're trying to figure out some sort of salacious oh, sure, you yeah. know, cause behind it or whatever. And then when the, when the stories finally started to come out and you realize that he was a really good guy and he was really doing everything he could to help her because she just, you know, she was mentally ill. Yeah. And, you know, and, and he paid... Uh, uh, you know, a huge price, an ultimate you know price for that, yeah. and 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 I'm not saying that it would have been any better, but it makes it you know it makes it all the more sad. I think to to realize yeah. that here was this guy who was doing everything he could to to be a good person and to and, you know and and yeah yeah, yeah. and even that one but, like more sad than the other. It's just like it's it, it's not as common. Like, like I said, like usually, I mean, there's this idea like if if you get murdered, like what was going on. Like, like you said, more salacious details yeah. Whereas in this case, it was just, yeah, it was something much more domestic. Uh, but anyway, yeah. it's important to know Phil Hartman in this episode, he was a pharmacist and he was murdered within his pharmacy. And so yes. this kind of sets off the, the idea of the story of like, why was this pharmacist murdered in his pharmacy? Um, right. Chloe has the line in this initial scene afterwards that it's going to make it hell getting prescription refills from now on. Oh, God, Chloe. Oh, oh Chloe. We should note, we've, uh, to jump back to IMDb, we have seen Chloe before on Quantum Leap. Yes. She was in the pilot. That's right. She was in uh, Genesis. I can't remember her uh, character's name, but she was one of 
she was one. I can't remember her name, but I remember they're they're talking about uh, sex in Peg's house while the test pilots were off doing the thing, and and her character makes the comment that sometimes Doug wears his goggles. Yeah, during yeah. sex, Lucy. Lucy, Lucy was it. the character's yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, uh, someone else who has um, uh, you know did a lot of work in the in the eighties and nineties hasn't really done anything for a while here, according to IMDb. In fact, her last role of note was in Pleasantville, which is a great movie. It is, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, lots of lots of lots of TV uh, in the eighties and nineties, um, including Alf and uh, and Jag, oh, uh, amongst other things. Oh, um, wow. oh, going back to Harry Groner real quick, I did just want to mention and um, point out that uh, he's definitely our Star Trek uh, connection of the week because he was in Star Trek The Next Generation in arguably one of the worst episodes of the series, uh, Ten Man. Um, oh, he also did God. an episode of yeah. Voyager and arguably two of the finest episodes of Star Trek Enterprise, Demons and Terror Prime, when they were uh, in, in like the last season, when they were doing a lot of uh, two and three episode arcs, uh, okay. um, and, and and when the show really actually started to find its footing, but it was too little, too late, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, those episodes in particular were very, very good. He played a character named Nathan Samuels, and it had to do with a um, basically a terrorist organization that believed in Earth's rights, and, um, and and you know they would do anything they could to to maintain Earth's rights. And anyway, yeah, really, really good stuff, and especially. You know, in a post nine eleven world, uh, yeah. being so in- immediate at the time, it, it felt very um, well. That was, a, uh, it was, it was yeah. good stuff, and then, and of course Scott Bakula. So. Yeah, I mean that was the. Uh, didn't they start off the second season with a very nine eleven inspired storyline? Yeah, uh, where they because the uh, like the Zindi had um, yeah. like bombed the. Yeah. Yes, it was very very much that kind of. You know, sometimes I wonder if if Enterprise was cursed. By being a Star Trek series, you know, maybe man, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, it would got. I mean, anyway, that's that's a whole. Welcome to our Quantum Leap slash Star Trek podcast. We're we're all over the map. What can you say? Uh, welcome to Faith of the Heart. Anywhere in time uh, and space. <laughs> yes. Welcome to Faith of the Heart. Faith of the Heart. A quantum leap. Oh, no. a, qua- a quantum leap in Enterprise oh. podcast. Oh please, God, no! With, don't make me think of that song with with Sam and Dennis. Sometimes when I when I meet an Enterprise fan who gets really hardcore about it, I will troll them and I will tell them that I think Faith of the Heart was the best theme song in many <laughs> of the Star Trek series, oh, just to no. mess with them. Oh God! Uh, 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 all right. So yeah. anyway, permanent wave. Um, <laughs> uh, Chloe's got some great bits throughout the episode, and and it's funny because she always comes off just to feeling a little like somewhat callous, you know, with her black humor, with the the idea of like, uh, uh, oh, where am I going to go get my prescriptions later on? When she's worried about Laura, she's like, how am I going to get my discount on my on my dresses now? And like, you know, it's like she's always kind of thinking about herself, but she does it in kind of an affable way, so you don't think anything of it. And then, of course, by the end of the episode, you're like, no, she really is that selfish. Like, she, she is a selfish, horrible human being. Yeah. I, I had no idea. Yeah. So we get, um, uh, let's uh, jump, uh, where are we in here? So, yeah, the, the murder pharmacist is Phil, and then uh, it's Maurice Lipschitz, not Maureen Lipschitz, it's Maurice Lipschitz. And uh, I can't remember where we get the mirror image, the first mirror image. Oh, yeah. And I I know it was the early 80s and whatever, but I 
could not accept that women found this guy attractive. <laughs> hey, now, I mean, Robert at, Jacobs. At least compared to Scott a, Bakula. It's the hair. Well, it's the hair. Yeah, that hair was something else, man. That hair had its own zip code. That, oh, God, yeah. Uh, and there's the one, the, the one sequence where he's uh, working with the woman and Sam is getting in the situation where he's going to have to cut her hair, but then he ends up doing a chuck and jive and just like, why mess with perfection? Oh God! So in that uh, so in that sequence, we we get an extended shot of of Frank in the mirror, and the mirror yeah. image, as Betsy likes to say, oh, he's doing some acting. Yeah, he's doing. I mean, he has got some bug eyes. Oh yeah, going on in the mirror image. Yeah. Oh no, it's it's true. It's true. <laughs> I mean, Robert Jacobs did uh, have a role in the. Uh, you know, seminal classic of the uh, early 90s, Shag, uh, and uh, was also in an episode of Baywatch, apparently, but that's about it, other than this episode. Yeah, of I mean, but, you, you know, hey, jumping in for one episode, you're being a mirror image. It's a hard job. Not to not to knock him, but, uh, yes, I did find that. Because it seems like most of the time, like, when you see the mirror image acting, they're just trying not to suck. Right. You know what I mean? Um, whereas I felt like he was, like, he was acting. Anyway. Um, but the, the the basic plot that we're rolling out here. So Phil has been shot in his pharmacy. Kyle may have seen something, but Laura, who is Frank's girlfriend, yes, and, and Kyle's, Kyle's and Kyle's mother, absolutely does not want Kyle to give any witness testimony, even if he has seen it, because Laura's husband and Kyle's dad was murdered after either he witnessed something or she witnessed something and he was going to testify and he was murdered to prevent him testifying. So now she is very, this is why at the beginning of the episode, it's such a big deal that Kyle was allowed to leave at all was that she is very protective of him and does not want him out of his or, or Frank's or any adult that they trust. Let, let him out of their sight. And so that yeah. so that's the setup of the episode. Kyle may know something, but Laura doesn't want him to talk if he does. Yeah, yeah. I, you, you know, I, I gotta I gotta give it to Doran Clark who plays Laura. I think she does a great job in the episode um, playing Kyle's mom, and, and in particular, you, you know, the maternal protectiveness that she feels towards Kyle, and you know, just not wanting to put him in harm's way at all. Um, the uh, you know the fights or arguments or discussions whatever you want to call them that she has with Sam um, are well done and and I think that they actually they they have good chemistry together too which makes the ending scene um, with the proposal and everything uh, really kind of cute and enjoyable and, and um, it helps out because it seemed like watching this episode rewatching this episode that the the proposal kind of seems to come out of left field oh yeah. For sure, and well, the nice thing is, is that it's not. Um, it's lovely because the way Al plays it too, because Sam kind of stumbles into it on accident, mm-hmm. and then Al encourages him. Is like, oh no, it's okay, they get married. You know what I mean? Like it's this really kind of cute moment, and so Sam gets to kind of 
do it without really doing it, but making sure that it's going to happen, you know, setting the wheels in motion or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice because, I, I again, the interesting thing about this is we've seen Sam in situations where, um, you know, obviously we can always talk about Catch a Falling Star where he is abusing the fact that yeah. he's someone else to romantically pursue someone. We've seen episodes where maybe he seems a little too comfortable with the person that he's that he's uh, supposed to be married to or, or whatever. We've seen the opposite end of that spectrum. This relationship with Laura feels very easy without feeling like Sam's falling in love with her. You know, it feels very much just like he's able to concentrate on the mission. And obviously he has a very... he Like, he has an affinity for Kyle. Like, it's clear that Sam... Is, is taking on that role of, of being that sort of paternal influence on Kyle very seriously mm. and, and, and enjoying it as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I think it's the, the, the whole, um, you know, Captain Future thing is a, is, a, is a testament to that. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's a good segue to the next scene. Is, uh, this is, that is a scene I completely forgotten was the callback, oh, was the callback to Future Boy and Captain Galaxy. I love it. Yeah, that Captain was, Galaxy. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was really sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I agree, and I think that um, you know, obviously, we we should we should talk a little bit about him. We we, we kind of have mentioned, but you know, Joseph Gordon Levitt—he's um, got some stuff. Yeah, uh, who plays <laughs> who plays Kyle? Uh, this is very early in his career. Um, he'd not yet done uh, much before then, um, with the exception of um, actually, I don't know if Dark Shadows had aired yet or not, but he played. He played David Collins and Daniel Collins in in Dark Shadows, the revival of the TV show. But I, 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 I for some reason, I feel like that aired during the. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. Point is, yeah. is that other than other than that, he hadn't really done a whole lot. Um, but of course, since then, he's done quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, one of the things I remembered him from before he was you know famous necessarily was. Um, Roseanne, he played the character of George. Oh, sure, um, yeah. Uh, one of the one of the friends, and then of course Third Rock from the Sun. Um, uh, but let's face it, in the you know in the past ten fifteen years or so, I mean he's just. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's not a whole lot that he hasn't done, um, and he's got a lot of stuff you know coming up in the pipeline. Um, I you know I, I'm one of the few people that thinks The Dark Knight Rises was the perfect end to that that trilogy and, and mm-hmm. may actually be the superior of the three films in a lot of ways. And I think he plays a part of that. Uh, cause I think he's fantastic in the film. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It, I, one of my favorite movies of his actually is a movie called brick, um, which is sort of this neo noir film, uh, from 2005. Yeah. Um, also, that, that, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Also produced uh, by Ryan Johnson, who produced looper, who wrote, well, and, there who, you who wrote and made looper. Yeah. Nice. And have you not, have you not seen Looper yet? I haven't. Well, and Ryan Johnson, of course, also cast him in a, a blink and you'll miss it cameo. Actually, he doesn't even appear. It's just his voice in The Last Jedi uh, in Star Wars. Last ah, Jedi, so. okay. That's right. Um, yeah, I, may, I mentioned in last week's episode, Looper is definitely worth your time. We may even need to do an episode where we just, like, the source code, that's its own episode. Looper. All right. Uh, Looper can be its own episode. I mean, honestly, once we once we finish Quantum Leap, we should absolutely do those movies. We should do Journeyman because it's only like you know, like sure. what, like 
10, 10 episodes or something. Anything remotely influenced by Quantum Leap. We should review the, the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you, you go. Yeah. If, if, if it's been influenced in any way, like uh, we're just going to review it just, just to keep on, the show going. We're going to keep on going. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, what are some other uh, – from there – it's been a few days since I watched the episode, to be honest, because I, uh, I watched it on Sunday morning thinking that we were going to record on Sunday night, and then you know things got – jostled around there's the scene with the twins oh god which has that's you know so fascinating about this episode there are multiple callbacks to other episodes in within this episode because we get a callback to the leap back when sam turns on the flirtation and charm with the twins much to al's chagrin and al has the line like is some of me still in you yeah uh because of the way that that Sam is is being yeah. with the uh, the twins, yeah, and that is so. I mean, yeah, I, you know, as 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 a as a purist, as all of that, like that really bugs the hell out of me. Because the way the lead oh, yeah? back ended of of Sam doesn't remember oh. the, Sam doesn't remember the events of that episode, and Donna making sure. him promise to not tell him like that. Could have been a huge trigger, sure. To bring some yeah, memories, to bring some memories flooding back. So it's always bugged me. Would ever because they do it in one more episode in the fifth season where Al directly references the events of the leap back. Yeah. Um. And and that is so I always chalk up to the writers of just like like don't like what like what don't don't you understand the own rules that you that you set up. Right. But anyway, um, so we even get the visual gag of like between uh, as Sam is flirting with the two twins, like one in each arm, like Al is like literally like just like pew, 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 back and forth between the two. Um, yeah. And then Sam, you know, Sam flat out says like he's doing it to mess with Al for all the times that he gives him crap if if he, you know, doesn't do anything. He gives him crap if he does do something. And then Al... I guess kind of turns the tables on him by going in to peek on the women. Yes, of course he does because Al's a creep sometimes, and there's no way around it. That's yep. bad, Al. And Sam chastises him for it. He does. He's yeah, not, he's not happy with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, I have to be honest. I was thinking about this quite a bit uh, in the interim of watching the episode and having a couple of days to sort of let it sink in. I'm not saying I needed more scenes with Laura and Kyle or Chloe or, or, or detective ward, but I question the amount of time that we ended up spending on Sam being the hairdresser. And I get it. I'm not saying it was unnecessary, but because I liked so much of the, the relationships with Kyle and Laura, and I thought, again, Chloe was a really fun character as well, that why have these throwaway scenes that are there for pretty much just comedic effect and sh- you know, showing Sam's that fish out of water when you could have maybe focused a little bit more on the, the home storyline? Hmm. And focus, and, and 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 because the episode gets set up as this sort of mystery episode, and and done well, I think, without being, you know, it's not murder she wrote or anything, but it's you know, it, there's still that element of mystery to the episode uh, that I feel like 
And that's and, 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 and I don't even want to say that that's a criticism. It's just more of a personal observation of like I wouldn't have minded if those scenes took a hike and we got more time, you know, with with the others. Sure. I mean, I guess when was the last time like we we had an episode where like we really got treated as Sam like being the fish out of the water and really struggling? Nuclear family, probably struggling yeah, to be that's you know, a good point to be the salesman. Um, it it didn't bug me just like watching those scenes. Uh, especially the twin scene, like that's another one that I'd completely forgotten about. Where, um, I don't know, it seemed like they they were having fun with the conceit of Sam being a fish out of water, and they hadn't like quite done that in a while. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's a very no, that's a very yeah. very and, good point. And maybe it's just after like the really heavy episode that we had the week before with Justice. If, if this is if we got a little fluff in this episode, that's fine. Yeah. I'll take a little. I'll take a little fluff. Um, uh, well, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, but 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 to your point, yes. Uh, Laura and Kyle together. Uh, they are very nice, very sweet. Uh, and then pretty soon, uh, this is do we? Uh, is it before or after? In what order do we get the scenes of of them being in the house and getting shot at? And Sam and Al going over to the pharmacy to look for clues. I feel like Sam and Al going to the pharmacy to look for clues comes first. I think you're right. Because, does, yeah, cause, yeah, because people getting shot at in the house, like, that really kicks off the events of the second part of the episode. Um, yeah. So they go over to look in the pharmacy. Um, and this is where we get one of the bits earlier that says. Oh, no, 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 no. They go to the pharmacy after the gunshots. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, because that's because while they're gone, that's when that's when Kyle and Laura leave to go out to the cabin. That's right. Okay. Um, yeah. So so yeah, they they are in Laura's house, and I think they're arguing over like whether or not Kyle should let him know if he saw anything. And we get gunshots come through the window, and of course we still I think we still get the silencer effect, even though yeah <laughs> yeah, um, uh, Chloe is hit. Uh, she starts freaking out not in a freaking out like oh my god i'm gonna die but she starts freaking out like i feel like that son of a bitch tried to shoot me or something like that um you know and sam checks it out he's like you know don't worry he just got the dermal air what flesh wound yeah yeah uh when betsy and i watched it together she got a laugh out of that line of the, it's just it's just what the, the, the dermal air what flesh wound <laughs> um and then we get another um Somewhat of a comedy bit. Sam runs outside to see if he can catch the shooter. Al zooms across the way, looks on the roof. He reports that whoever the shooter was, he picked up all the casings because he was a pro. Um, and then he comes back in and he zooms in too close to Sam. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a bit of a jump scare there, uh, which I yeah. don't know if we've ever gotten that kind of. We haven't had, a, we haven't had a, a, a comedy bit like that recently. Well, it's funny you mention that, actually, because there's a couple of bits with Al in this episode. It ends up actually being a really good Sam and Al episode. And the more I think about it, the, Scott Bakula um, is quoted in, in Matt's book as saying um, that he really enjoyed the opportunity to direct the episode because he felt like he knew, you know, at this point in the show's history, you know, he knows what he and Al, uh, you know, Dean are going to do. He speaks that quantum leap ease, which is actually the quote that, that he said, uh, better than anyone that they were going to get in necessarily. And I think that some of the bits that they do have, you know, I wonder how much of that was, um, 
you know, with Scott kind of saying, yeah. hey, what we could do is this. Do that, we yeah. We could do this. We could do that. You know, uh, and 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 it comes off really well. You know, and the relationship is 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 done well. And mm-hmm. you know, this might be one of those episodes that if 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 I wasn't trying to hit people with, you know, the big episodes or, or whatever, this might be one of those episodes I'd throw into a, you know, a fluffier quantum leap marathon. A, a fluff marathon. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's yeah. It's pretty solid. So then we yeah. get this. Yeah. So then we go over to the scene them looking in the pharmacy and Kyle at one point he had said that the the killer hid money in his shoes yeah and so they're looking on the ground and then we get the visual gag bit of of Al going down yeah. going down in the floor this is a bit uh, I do remember it getting cut out in syndication okay the the, the part of the scene where, where Al goes down on the floor because I remember like catching the episode of reruns and always being disappointed that they cut that gag out. Sure. Um, so yeah, Al or, or Sam chastises Al for being silly. Al zooms back up and I don't, uh, they, I don't know if they really, gle- they don't glean much information out of the, they find a penny on the floor. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They find they a, do, yeah, yeah. They find a penny on the floor and this gives Laura time to get away with Kyle, to go out to Frank's cabin. And they borrow Chloe's car. Yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Well, no, no. Sam has to borrow Chloe's car to get out to the cabin now, right? Isn't that the case? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. No, it's yeah, that's right. She, yes, she says, yeah, you're right, you're right. He has to borrow the car. That's why she comes with him. And, yeah, and she also has the line somewhere around there, too, about the dresses, I think. Yeah, so we should also, in the original history, Kyle's body is found murdered like out in the desert or out in the forest and Laura's body is never found and then at yeah. some point in the episode Sam changes history so that neither one of their bodies are ever found yeah. so that's where we're at so they're, they're driving out to the cabin um, is it uh, uh, they're not run off the road I, I think she just gets distracted and she runs off the road is that right uh, yeah, you know the funny thing is, is that the I will say that the way that the episode does it, it makes you think that Detective Ward has run them off the road. Yeah, which we later find out is actually not the case. I think it is that she gets distracted and, and runs but off the, the road. But the, but the way it's edited, it almost makes it look like Ward did it. Oh, got it. Okay, uh, because because what happens is is this car, which looks a lot like the car that Ward is driving, is in you know they swerve into the same lane or whatever. She goes off the road. They get into the accident, and then as soon as that happens, you cut to Ward in his car driving down the street. Now, obviously, it's like well, okay, that he wouldn't just be driving all calm, cool, and collected after that happened. But sure. it is a weird. It's a weird edit, in my opinion. Okay, got it, yeah. Uh, so Al is with them, and we get another comedy bit of they run off the road. Al is in the back of the car, and, and Laura says something like, Honey, are you okay? And he's like, Oh, I'm fine. Check on the kid. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, somewhere, yeah. and somewhere in here, there is one particular green screen shot that is so god-awful, horrible. yeah. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I mean, it's a thing like, especially when you're watching TV shows of that era, like you just always kind of accept like anytime they do like a green, a green screenshot of someone driving, it doesn't look quite right. And you adjust for it in your head. Kind of like, well, Larry Ganey pointed out in the group a couple weeks ago, like the, the, the ADR is often very bad on the show, particularly in this season. And that's something I felt like it was. They always struggle to that throughout the entire series. So anymore, it like it does. 
I don't even pay, it doesn't even register. It, I don't even pay attention to it. But the green yeah, screenshot you know, in this episode, this particular sequence is so bad, it's stuck out like a sore thumb. And part of it, a part of it, I will say, uh, I was having a conversation with someone recently about the this, uh, not not specifically about Quantum Leap, but you know, part of it does have to do with the fact that they were filming these, and obviously the limitations of the special effects at the time, but even beyond that, they were filming these for CRT televisions. You know what I mean? Like, this is an old-school 4 by 3 format. Like, nowadays, we're watching everything on widescreen, high-definition televisions in a Blu-ray format. Like, it can't help but stand out even more and, and, and look a little worse than it did when it first aired, more than likely. Mm. Um now the flip side of that is is that we get some of these moments in some of these episodes which look incredible in ways that they never could have looked before because of the format. Sure. Um, you know we've talked about it before, but it's one of the reasons why a show like Babylon Five uh, ultimately suffers so much from the the new format because even though the episodes themselves were shot with widescreen in mind, the special effects were made for your standard television format and now when they they try to you know upscale the episodes they have to blow those scenes up with the special effects in them because they can't the special effects were never made to for the widescreen so it's you know it's one of those things where the 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 technology ended up kind of outpacing um the intent i think of the original filmmakers if you will yeah for sure but yeah, no, I get you yeah, on the green yeah. screen driving in cars. No, like yeah, said, usually Scott, I love for but like the other yeah, screen jumping uh, so bad. in particular, it's pretty. Um, so yeah, so it's we pretty get, terrible. Uh, so we get the detective driving, and and Al jumps in to like, oh no, they've run off the road. Like you need to go back, and you need to go to back and save them. And the mind over matter, mind over matter. All right, lift your shoe off the gas pedal. Blah blah blah. And this is when Al realizes the detective is wearing penny loafers. Kyle said. The killer hid money in his shoes. They found the penny on the ground. And I think we go to commercial break with Al actually saying, does he say, oh, boy? No, yeah, no, no. he does. He says, oh, boy. Yeah, he yep. says, oh, boy. And then when they come back, is that where he says, like, you bastard, you killed him, and now you're going to kill this mother and this poor kid? Something along yeah. the line. Yeah. Um, and then we get another great moment of, of Al zooming back in on Sam. And he's like, the cop shot Phil. It's just the way Dean Stockwell delivers that line. It's so... I don't know what it is. There's something funny. There's nothing funny about it, but the way Dean Stockwell delivers the line is pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so there, you, I, I, oh, you're tired. <laughs> it's been a like I said, it's Wednesday, but it's been a long time. No, no, week, it's so um, good. So, so they get to the cabin, and, and let's get to this part, because this is when... Uh, there's there's one moment where they get inside the, uh, where Laura and Kyle they get inside the cabin and they get there by way of a hitchhiker by the way uh, by the name of Ralph he even gets a mention in the IMDb page you know what I think I don't want to curse it I don't want to dig too deep but I think we have a rarity I think we have an episode here with a cast who is all everyone's alive everyone is still alive I think I think we're there. Um, it's beautiful. So anyway, so Ralph, he, he drops him off at the cabin, and uh, 
something like the, like the powers out and Laura like has to go outside. I think the detective may cut the power or something, but Laura has to go outside and see what's up. And so Kyle is like looking out this big window and we get this great sequence where everything goes silent. Yeah. And we're kind of getting Kyle's perspective of what he's hearing of like looking out into the forest. It's windy, but he's not hearing any of that. At one point, Laura steps up, and I think she may even say something, but she can't hear it. But all of the sound cuts out entirely. When Betsy and I were watching it together, she actually was like, did, did you turn the sound down? Like, what's going mm. on? Uh, so it's a, really, it's a really nice touch. It's a great sequence. Uh, and then I think Kyle actually sees Laura get knocked out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Kyle actually sees Laura get, get knocked out. And then, um, I can't remember like what the exact sequence was. I think the detective gets in, chasing him out. Now we're out into the forest, and the detective has Sam and Kyle cornered in like the, the not, not exactly a lake, but like in this little pond. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's about to kill him, and, um, and Sam makes it like, like, no, you don't have to do this. Like, 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 hey, like, look, do you recognize this man? And Kyle doesn't. So it turns out Kyle never actually saw anything in the pharmacy. Yeah. And so Sam's like, you don't have to do it. He doesn't recognize you. And of course, the detective's like, well, but you do. Yeah, right, right. So um, Al is there by this point. And so he's getting ready to shoot. Then he gets shot. And that's when we find out that Chloe is the well, brains. But before we do, it's this really, like, it's actually very well done. Because what happens is she shoots him. She has some wisecrack about, you know, that's for shooting me. Yeah. And you literally, at this point, you're just sort of like, oh, man, that's really cool. Like, Chloe saved the day. Like, it's not about Sam saving the day necessarily or whatever. And then... It you know, almost immediately it turns it, and, and and now she's got the gun on them, and you're just like, oh man, it is yeah. That is, I mean, that's another one of those. I mean, like everything in the sequence, like like the the music, the plot twist. This is all the '80s movie of the week, um, and this particular plot twist, it kind of also kind of reminded me of uh, the plot twist at the end of Blind Faith. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And which we, I remember when we talked <laughs> uh, about recording that episode. Like that episode was set in the '60s, but that is an episode that very much had an '80s movie of the week vibe, um, for sure. Yeah, but anyway, so uh, yeah, and, and all of this had to do with selling prescription pills illegally. Um, they never really dig too deep. I don't want to dig in too deep to it. You know, it's it's a MacGuffin. You know, it's you know, it, it's all the plot right. to get us to where we are. Um, and so, yeah, Ziggy had totally, totally missed this. It is worth noting that Ziggy is referred to as a he in this episode. I really thought that they had been more consistent after the leap back, and I thought they consistently started calling Ziggy a she. But Ziggy, uh, oh. at some point, is actually referred to as a he in this in this episode. Man, I did not, I didn't catch that at all. Yeah, and, uh, but then, so she is, basically she's monologuing. <laughs> At this point. Yeah. Meanwhile, Laura is sneaking up. Sam and Kyle see this. And um, 
so Sam was like, hey, wait, like, what was your plan? Basically, like, what was your plan? <laughs> Why? Why'd you do it? Basically, right, you're going to keep right. talking so Laura can get up. Laura, like, basically just gets her enough to distract. Sam gets Kyle underwater. He gets a hold of the detective's gun. He jumps out. You know, pleased with her, like, please don't make me do this. That was also very, I don't know, there was something, like, just very movie of the week, the way, like, Sam jumps up and he's got, like, the like the pose. You know, please don't make me do this. Chloe tries to shoot him. He shoots yeah. her dead. And that's that. And Sam takes another life. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, so we have that. And also, worth noting, this was uh, trivia in Matt's book. So apparently, uh, Harry Groner, uh, the detective, so the, they're shooting the sequence. He gets shot. He lands in Scott Bakula's arms. And then they basically have, like, this flotation device on him to keep him floating while they're, yeah. while they're shooting the rest of this. And apparently, like, the way he describes it, he kept floating away. As they're shooting the scene, and like Scott Bakula was low key while he was acting, kept pulling him back towards him to keep him from floating away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, classic. Yeah. So I guess so. Now we're back in the house, and they they call the police, and they just leave the the, the dead bodies out in the woods while they're waiting for the police. I mean, what else are you gonna do? I guess. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, Laura has a concussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because she she got walloped pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. And that that's another um, eerie moment with Chloe in the scene that we just mentioned, where Kyle asks, "Where's his mom?" and and Chloe says, pretty heartlessly, "Like, sorry, kid." Uh, what was the detective's name again? I always keep calling him detective. Ward. Uh, Ward. Yeah. Detective Ward. Uh, yeah. Ward. Sorry, kid. Uh, Ward bashed her brains in. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so she has a concussion. Sam Poor diagnoses Kyle. it. Um, and, and Sam kind of has to do a little run around because he, you know, he reveals that he he has medical knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so this is where we find out that Kyle goes on to swim in the Olympics. Yeah. Is it, is, so is it a special it, it, Olympics it, with his? Yeah. It, we never mentioned that Ky- Kyle is in a brace. We never mentioned that. Yeah, he's 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 got a, a bum leg, um, but it's interesting because they do kind of get it wrong. They they say it's the Special Olympics, and Special Olympics isn't for people with physical impairments of any sort. Um, I mean, yeah, that, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, but it would be the Paralympics that he would have swam in. The thing is, is that the Paralympics take place at the same time as the Olympics. So the year ends up being wrong as well. So it's like it, they, they just got it wrong. Uh, but it's a minor thing. I mean, we, sure. we get the point. You know, the point is that, yeah, he's going to swim. He's going to get the bronze or something like that. And then Sam has the line about, you know, teaching him, uh, um, you know, fatherly advice or whatever. And, and, and Al's like, oh, you changed history. Now he wins the gold. Um, and, of course, that's when Laura's like, father, you know, and. Or Kyle says it, I think, actually. Mm-hmm. And it leads them to the whole exchange of, of you know, basically of them getting married. And like I said, Al has that cute moment of like, yeah, go ahead. They, they get married anyway, you know, um, yeah. which is which is really kind of sweet. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a sweet end. Wrap up the bow moment. And then Sam leaps out. Oh, shit. Uh, let's let's hang on a second. <laughs> sure. Um but but yeah, it, 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 I I enjoy this this moment between the three of them because I think um, 
uh, well, four of them really. I mean, Al's a part of the part of it as well. Uh, it's it's just handled really, really well, and it feels to me. Justice, for instance, the end of Justice just doesn't. It, 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 I don't know. It's it's all this like high stakes stuff. Then you've got Papa racist, uh, you know, untying them, and and sure. <laughs> and then you've got you know the hug, and and it's just sort of like it feel like it's good. I'm not trying to knock it, but there's something about this one that that feels a little bit better to me, and. and um, I, I enjoy. Well, there, I enjoy it. There, there. Uh, uh, I think it's because, like, w- with with episodes, any episode that deals with race is no matter how neat of a bow you try to tie on it, it seems a little trite. Right. I feel like that's that's, that's why I love Black on White on Fire because it doesn't try. No. To, to tie a bow on it, things no. are shitty. The episode ends shitty. Yeah. Doesn't even try it. Uh, Color of Truth, So Help Me God, and Justice, they try, but you just can't. Like, but So I, Help I, I, Me I, God. I'm sorry. So Help Me God, though. So Help Me God is perfect. The ending of So Help Me God is one of the I best mean, endings in the, in, in the entire show. I mean, it is, but, but, but it also it, it is kind of, um, it is very simplistic for Al or, or for Sam to tell a per- to, to hand a person of color in in 1950s South a reader and tell her you can do anything if you know how to read. It's touching, but a tad simplistic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I still love it. Damn yeah. it. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and even Justice does a little bit of a better job. But I was thinking about it after we got done recording last week. Like uh, Sam and Nathaniel hug. At the end of that episode. Yeah. And how much more realistic would it have been if, like, even after Al basically saves Nathaniel's life, if if Nathaniel had been like, like, thank you, but no, we're not. We're not cool. I'm not shaking your hand. I'm not hugging you. We still got a lot of work to do. Right. You know, anyway. Um, uh, yeah, no, I would have. Like, I, I almost would have rather than, like, shared a look as opposed to the hug. Sure. But, 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 but enough about justice. We're sure. But anyway, I, 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 mean, I, I, just, I really I, like this scene. I'm just saying, like, uh, those episodes are harder to tie up with a nice little bow. Yes. Um, whereas these kind of episodes, we, uh, and, I, and I think it's just like we're, we're, we are used to, we, we have been trained through our television habits that even though if you have an episode of television that involves very traumatic things like murder and almost getting murdered that you can still end the episode of everybody being pretty happy and okay or you know that they're going to be pretty happy and okay going forward i mean it's nice they're getting married and 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 kyle's gonna be in in, in whatever olympics it is and he's gonna win some medals there are still two dead bodies sure sure. (laughs) right outside waiting for the police to come get them yeah uh but anyway like i said television has trained us uh to to just tie a little bow on all of this at the end um which I'm not knocking. We need. We need. No, we, yeah. yeah, we need that. I mean, if if we didn't, 
God, how horrible would it be to watch these TV shows? We wouldn't watch these TV I, shows. Yeah, I don't need everything to be, you know, Game of Thrones or, you know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I, they, like there's, there's obviously something to be said for good episodic television and, you know, even some of those more serialized television programs, like something like Lost, certainly had episodes that had, you know, feel-good endings and feel-good moments and, 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 and felt like you were, you know wrapping up something emotionally, which, which is, uh, you do need that. I mean, you need that cathartic yeah. moment. I mean, so it's, it's the, the, it's the whole reason we watch, yeah. you know, whether I, or not we watch, whether or not we're watching 50 episodes to get there, or in this case, watching 45 minutes to get there, you still need that. Yeah. I feel like lost, they got into a pretty good groove of alternating between, uh, episode endings that just kicked you in the gut mm-hmm. with a plot twist or something horrible happening and alternating those with episodes that ended with warming montages yeah. of showing where everybody yeah. was on the island. This is kind of a tangent. I don't know when you started watching Lost. I started watching Lost like four episodes from the end of the first season. Okay. Uh, and, my, and my ex-wife, she got onto the show, and it was a show that we had to watch live when it aired because they were going to be talking about it at work the next day. Sure. Uh, so I was kind of on the fence about the show. Like, yeah, whatever. I'll take it or leave it. The moment that I was hooked on the series until it ended was, we're going to have to take the boy <laughs> at the end of the first season. And as soon as Mr. Friendly said that, like I was there, I was on board. Sure. I was on board for the rest of the series. Yeah. Well, they realized that, you know, they couldn't cast a 12-year-old and expect him to stay 12 for four seasons when they were only going to have the show take place over, like, three months. So, sure. You know, they, they needed to get rid of him. No, the episode for me that did it, uh, which, oddly enough, I feel like is very quantum leapish in nature, is the, uh, the third season episode that focused on Desmond. Oh, and yeah. like, how he got to the, the island. Constant. And, and yeah. He, yeah. Um, and, and that episode was just brilliant. And yeah. that episode, as much as it was important to the, to the mythology, of the whole series and as much as it set things up for later I felt like I I could watch it not knowing anything and I still thought it was a great piece of television um which that show could do on occasion because they would take an episode and focus on one character and they would tell such a wonderfully cinematic story that even though you could appreciate it more in context and would get more out of it going forward to be able to contextualize it with other episodes that within that one hour they were able to tell you a really beautiful story on its own and I felt like the constant did that sure um, you want to go really dark with you on that episode yeah maybe, maybe we'll cut this out this may be too dark I very specifically remember that episode because uh, I watched that episode the day that I found out that my mom who was already in the hospital had had another massive stroke mm. and that she wasn't going to live mm. and so I left work arranged a flight for the next day, and then I got up and flew out the next day. Yeah. But I went home from work, arranged a flight, and then I watched that episode on iTunes. Man. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I, uh, hey, well, we we, we gotta do, I watched, (laughs) <laughs> Two days after my mom died, I watched Star Trek Insurrection, so... <laughs> uh, that's not the worst one. Well, it kind of is. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you look at Insurrection 
like it's a two-part episode of the series. It works. That's fair. Insurrection isn't great because the plot just isn't worth a movie. The plot yeah. is worth it. The plot is worth a TV episode. It's Plus a two-part TV is, episode like, with a bigger budget. What the fuck is up with the whole Picard romancing thing? Like, it's like, come on, you know? Like, at this point, like, he should be focused on Crusher. We know he should be focused on Crusher. That's how they fucking left things at the end of the seventh season. Whatever. Anyway, anyway point is... Anyway. Permit waves. Let's... <laughs> yeah. Let's anyway. talk about the 80s for a second, because we don't get a lot of 80s episodes, as we've talked about before. This is really the first episode set in the 80s that steers into that, that, that you know, with the fashions and the Rubik's Cube and the, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot more trappings of the 80s compared to, um, I mean, I guess with another mother, we get Magnum P.I. And, and we get the Queen T-shirt, and but... And, and I, know, I, will say, one, I will say the thing that Another Mother has that this episode doesn't is that Other Mother used a lot of period music, and there is sure. no period music in this episode. It is That's all true. incidental music. This is more fashion and hairstyles. Sure, yeah. I retract everything I said. No, 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 no. But no. we do get a Rubik's Cube. Um, <laughs> we do. No, to me, like, it's always the music that sticks out, and especially after the the, sure. the music replacement debacle on the DVDs. Anytime an episode uses incidental music, and that's actually just what they used at the time, it, it really sticks out at me. You no, know, no, no. That's a very, very good point. That is a very good point. Um, so, yeah, so Permanent Wave, I, you know, overall, I think it's a solid episode. I, I, I think um, in some ways, I mean, Justice is, 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 is a huge episode. It's a, it's a deep episode. It's a pretty impactful episode. Um, Hurricane is fine. Play Ball is fine. Um, Leap Back, we could talk about for hours. But this, this to me, is sort of the first regular solid episode of the fourth season. You know, um, even more so than play ball. Cause you, yeah, cause, because cause you, get, I, you get play ball pretty high marks. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like play ball, but this is a better episode. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I'm just surprised you're saying that because you were, you were, you, you were just very enamored with play ball. There's some good stuff in play ball. There really, really is. And I like that episode, but this, this one's better. Yeah. It is. It's good. Yeah. It's solid. Like I said, I, uh, as a fluff marathon, fluff. Right. Hairstyling. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but then we, we get to leap out into next week's episode. Yes. Um, um, it's, it's very weird. Uh, um, so we know he's in the hospital. They're talking about, you know, what what the the injuries. Uh, Sam is disoriented, obviously. When the cop comes in to ask questions and refers to Sam as a woman, mm-hmm. Sam gets upset again. He does the "oh no no not again" thing, yeah. which we've heard him do before. Sure. And of course, this leads to the whole, you know, you've been raped before. before thing. I, yeah, I've never liked that and line. It, and to me, it, no, yeah, it, it, no, it's, I hate it. It's a weak, it's a weak setup so that the cop can say his line 
and, yeah. and we get the stakes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very it I I don't I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And I also and I also don't like the idea that it, that Sam is I just don't yeah, I yeah. don't like the idea that Sam is so opposed to having leapt into a woman before, especially when he's leapt into a woman before and had some really beautiful experiences come out. But you know, of it. it just occurred to me. I, I had this thought before, and I, I didn't get it on the rewatch, but I've had the thought before. Does he think that he's leapt into a pregnant teen again? And maybe that's and maybe that's his reaction. Maybe. Because leaping into a woman is one thing. Leaping into the unfortunate situation of being an unwed pregnant teen. Yeah, I can justify that reaction. Yeah, maybe. I don't In, know. Yes, in that context, sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah, but it, but it, but but th- that said, that said, not only am I not a huge fan of that being Sam's reaction, I also don't like the 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 what it leads to. It just feels weird. It feels off. Yeah. That said, uh, it is clear that we are getting ready to talk about some stuff. Yeah. Uh, next time around. Yeah. And. Um, you know, it's 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 a heavy episode. I, I feel like, you know, I haven't seen this one in a while, um, so I don't want to say too much right now. But I do feel like there's there's it, it carries some weight uh, to it. You know, similarly to, to how we were talking about justice. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be an interesting conversation. To I say mean, uh, yeah, especially now we're around now with the with the Me Too movement uh, and, the, and the cultural shift that we've taken now. Uh, I posted this in the Facebook group and on the page a few weeks ago. Uh, the, uh, a woman on Twitter, she wrote a great Twitter th- Twitter thread about this episode uh, and what she remembered from it as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to unpack. I think uh, we haven't locked it down yet, but I think a uh, previous guest from season one and season two, Claire Feeney, is going to be guesting on the episode with us um, mm-hmm. to... Uh, to unpack this I think we're probably We haven't talked about this off mic I think we're probably Going to take a week off Just because it's the Christmas holiday Oh It's a Christmas Yeah we might as well Go ahead and just make that official Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's a Christmas yeah. holiday Next week And I don't want to drop An episode about Next week's episode During Christmas week Just seems yeah. unkind uh, So yeah, yeah. We'll uh, Yeah we'll figure out a time uh, Maybe Maybe we'll We'll do the rare uh, Recording an episode In person together Yes We uh, I think we should I So yeah Okay so um, Yeah we haven't recorded An episode sitting in the same room Since Black on White on Fire Yeah That's uh, right So yeah If it sounds great It's 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 the wonders of technology uh, As finally I got figuring my new, I got my new MacBook here Oh too, so. yes uh, this this episode is not brought to you by Mac. We are not sponsored by Mac, but <laughs> but but we could be. We yeah. Let's let's Apple. Ta- let's if talk. You're listening. Yeah, Apple. <laughs> let's talk. We have a very we have a very niche podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on, yeah, we use we, your we use your platform. We are on Apple Podcasts now. They prefer you not call it iTunes Podcast. Uh, that's right. They that's prefer right. we're on it. Apple Podcasts. Uh, we do all of our editing in GarageBand. We do. Uh, <laughs> I just bought a brand new MacBook Pro, so I'm kind of an investor. Yeah, in a way. sure. 
<laughs> I mean, I got this. I got my MacBook set up. I'm talking on my. I, I got my iPad here to set up looking at other things. I'm checking updates yep. on my on my Apple Watch. Yeah, I am. Yeah, a, you went one step further than I did. I am. A, I don't have the Apple Watch. I am a full. I am a full devotee. You're a walking Apple billboard, I, sir. I am. I am pretty much. And in your bathrobe with your scotch? No, whiskey, bourbon, Whiskey, bourbon. whiskey, you my bourbon. bourbon. Yeah, this yeah. is, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, Beautiful. so I think we should probably wrap it up for this week. You should get some sleep. I should get some sleep. I'm a little, if, if yeah. I sound a little bit, if my voice sounds weird, I'm, I'm a little bit under the weather. Uh, so I should get to bed early, especially because we, we've, yes, we've had some rough nights with Harrison uh, of, of him just uh, being up for two or three hours in the middle of the night. Um, yeah. So yeah, sleep is sleep is on uh, sleep is on the lesser side here at the Freymeyer household. Hattie is in that wonderful place where she's sleeping through the night now, so mm. it's it's pretty grand. You're gonna think that you are on the other side of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! I know that there's I know there's some curveballs to come. I'm gonna say it right there now. There are gonna be there are gonna be so many curveballs to come. Anyway, it's 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 a wonder. It's a joy. I mean, it's I mean, like I spent an hour with him last night, just like sitting in the chair in his room and just like you know holding him while he's up. Because in the phase where like he he wants to be held while he's sleeping, and so that's the phase sure. that we're in right now. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's yes. On, on one hand, it's a joy, uh, but on the other hand, we are a little sleep deprived. Yeah, yeah. No, it takes it takes something out of you. Yeah, There's no denying that. So this is uh, Face Wide Wheel, a quantumly podcast with two tired dads. <laughs> I'm changing the name. <laughs> Damn it! That could have been. Yeah, I was going to say that could have been the name of the podcast. That could have been, uh, well, uh, you, I mean, you hadn't even. I wasn't a dad. No, no, I you hadn't even announced. You this. hadn't even announced it yet. Well, we, we Jessica wasn't. She was not Exa- with child. Exactly. When we yeah, because you told us. Uh, yeah, because you told us at New Year's Eve brunch, which we have to talk about New Year's Eve Eve brunch yeah. this year. We'll figure it out. We should just schedule all of our social plans right here on the podcast, so everybody knows what we're we doing. <laughs> <laughs> just and, then, and then people randomly. If you're in the Chicago area and, then and you pe- want to join us for brunch, yeah, people randomly show up. Anyway, uh, so I think that's our episode for this week, everyone. Yeah, it is. It's time for us to leap out of All here. All right, thank you for joining us. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Happy holidays. Take care. Oh, happy holidays. Yeah. Yeah. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time. Yes.